Welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Connor. And I'm your other host, Ray. And this episode, we'll be looking at the final part of Incarnations by Jeff Lemire, Volume 8, Issue 9. We'll also be looking into a classic run, Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 24, The Return of Stained Glass Scarlet. So, grab your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conchu on. Ray, Ray, Ray. It's episode 9. <laughs> episode 10, quite technically. Episode and all. Yeah, that's but true. It's another exciting episode. We've got a we've got a bit of news to discuss. We've got some great issues. Mm-hmm. Some great art. And, uh... Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good well, yeah no that's um there's there's plenty to talk about here we're, we're um we're up the, to the last part of Lemire's second arc so um exciting to see how he wraps up this one um yeah uh yeah a bit of news uh, a bit of the kind of um same kind of well trodden territory of you know well who you'd like to see like on screen and um uh, and all that, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, I'm glad to be back here and um, to get right into it. But um, before we get on to our news, what have you been reading, Ray? Bit of bit of bants outside of our regular Moon Knight discussion. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought like it was really cool to discuss all those comics last episode. So um, yeah, just reading this week, uh, catching up on my pulls. So a bit of a bit of Valiant, um, Faith, and the Future Force. Uh, number three, I think it is. Uh, also, the War Mother two, which are, is another Valiant title I'm really loving at the moment. Um, I've still got EXO uh, on my pile, waiting to read that. But uh, yeah, Legacy was the big Marvel one mm. for me. It was um, it was a great issue. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, I thought it was uh, fantastic. Not enough mention of our Moon Knight, sadly. Mm, but there was a lot of setup. I think anyone following Marvel at the moment, even if it's just our Moon Knight issues should pick it up. I, mean, I think it's great overall. Jason Aaron's an amazing writer. There's so many little bits set up that can't help it. Yeah, for Follow sure. He, yeah, he um, he's done really well, Jason Aaron. What I was really impressed with how he kind of pulled everything together. Um, so many uh, characters and so many arcs uh, across the Marvel titles. Uh, and for those that do collect uh, a few titles uh, across Marvel, uh, you would recognise uh, some of the... Um, you know the current trends that are happening within those books. So for me, one of the highlights uh, was definitely seeing Norman Osborn trying to crack into the Sanctum Sanctorum of Doctor Strange because um, I believe you got that issue as well, Connor, with Greg Smallwood um, yeah. for Amazing Spider-Man. Sure did. Mm, and uh, you know, I think it's long enough to you know not spoil anything, but he uh, he's actually on the hunt for some magic now. So it's good to see that in there. Um, and it was also good to see, you know, just on the other end of the spectrum, Gamora um, from the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, uh, currently written by Jerry Duggan, uh, and Gamora's on the hunt for some of the stones as well. So um, you're starting to see everything kind of tie together, and I just thought it was brilliant with a with a team of artists as well. Yeah, uh, everyone from their own titles. If you haven't read it, um, jumps back on, try a little bit. You had Russell Dorderman, um, mm-hmm. everyone else. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Sumney was in there, oh, I think. Oh, totally, yep. 
as well. Um, oh, there was just a whole lot of them, but uh, I recognise Chris Sumney from the Captain America little cameo, and he'll be tackling the um, the legacy Captain America with Mark Wade, right? Is that mm. that's correct? Yeah. 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 Uh, Daniel Akuna, Jim Chung, Stuart Eminem, oh, yeah, Greg Land, yeah. all those classic great people. Yeah. It was, it was really great, and a, and a huge 60-page issue. Um, I, I didn't find it lengthy at all. I really enjoyed uh-huh. it. Um, like but I said, it was, Aaron really pulled it all together. He did. He's such a great writer. Um, so what, what else were you reading during this last week? Um, I've had a pretty small week, sort of catching up. I've bought a new mic coming in. Ah, anyone dealing with this old echo and old set. <laughs> but, um, uh, you'll, actually, be getting out, you'll, be, you'll be getting out of the other void. Yeah, well, I think it's more the fact I just sold my soul while I was there to get equipment. If I'm stuck here for good, I might as well, you know, pay yeah. for something good. Um, I think uh, one of uh, some past alumni, actually, uh, Jeff Lemire's new Bloodshot Salvation issue one. Oh, yes. With a variant yes. covered by Greg Smallwood. Everyone should check that out as well. It was a great ah. issue. If you love Lemire, if you love, uh, you know, this run of Moon Knight, you definitely mm-hmm. owe it yourself to check it out. Go back and read his Bloodshot Reborn as well, which follows directly into it. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you have you got that uh, in hard copy, Connor? Or no, I have I have it coming in, but I had to get digital for now. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, um, actually, I've read some of the classic uh, EC comics, the old sort of '50s '60s horror. I picked up one oh. of those collections actually, and it's sort of old classic horror. You know, when you think about it, not too far behind. You know what we're coming with, um, Doug Munchens. You know, yeah. they sort of going back and see the inspirations for even Summer Moon Knight with how sort of moody and atmospheric it is. It's quite, it's quite a history lesson, actually. Oh, great. That's fantastic. And had you, um, I remember last episode you mentioned picking up a bit of uh, Doug Munch's Batman run. Uh, had you managed to um, read up on any of them? No, I haven't just yet, yet. but yeah. as soon as I do, I shall report back. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That's good. Uh, yeah, great. So, I mean, yep, uh, yeah, it was a bit, bit of a lean week. I think next week um, is even leaner from what I um, remember in my League of Geeks uh, pull list. But, uh, nah, should be, um, should be good. But uh, anyway, I think we should um, crack on to actually a bit more Moon Knight-focused stuff. Yeah, what's it? Is it now five, five more weeks, six more weeks until the... The big debut of issue one, so we're really just sort of biding our time. So, oh, so exciting. But yeah. to almost, uh, I'll bring up where this ties into Legacy. Actually, our first bit of news mm-hmm. is um, Jake Thomas, uh, editor for the upcoming Moon Knight, and uh, does the uh, Defenders, mm-hmm. the Iron Fist, that sort of almost street level. He sort of covers as the big editor for all that. He put up a tweet saying, no image, sadly. Just mm-hmm. did a lettering press against art for at Max Bemis, isn't that Jason... So, uh, Moon Knight first issue. I literally have goosebumps. Holy smokes! Yeah, it's, that's such a great thing. I that brought a smile to my face as well. And it's good <laughs> to see that Jake Thomas is back as well. He um he was the editor for the Moon Knight run with Jeff Lemire. So um, yeah, he did a bang up job. And actually, we should be we have been very terrible to Jake um, in our reviews of the Lemire issues. We haven't mentioned the editor, so uh, so this one will definitely add Jake Thomas <laughs> as editor, um, but he, he's doing a great job, and it'll be great for him to be back on the horse with uh, Max Bemis and Jason Burrows. Yes. Um, actually, and how this um, ties into Legacy, this, um, uh, this week they put out like a... Um, 
you know, one of those preview, like those free previews you get on Comixology. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and it didn't oh, have the, any... the, the sorry, is that the primer pages? Yeah, uh, no, it's um, oh. if you it's uh, you search into Comixology legacy yeah. um free uh preview guide. It's basically uh-huh. a little um. Oh yes, of, okay. I don't know how many pages, but um, yep. just like uh, you know, the sort of couple of pages, a bit of introduction, the covers of some of the legacy issues coming out. So we had Hulk, Spirits of Vengeance. Mm. Um, and just a bunch of other issues. And um, since he doesn't reference, you know, possibly the whole issue and just said a lettering passed against art for the first issue, it was probably the whole issue, but mm-hmm. po- that possibly sort of almost makes me think we may be seeing another uh, legacy free preview that will have a an, um, a page for Moon Knight Ooh. in it, possibly. So definitely be- keep your eyes peeled on Comixology or... Maybe they ship out to comic book stores. I don't know. I got mine yeah. on Comixology. But, uh, yeah, definitely um, keep oh, a lookout for yeah legacy previews. We may have another look at Moon Knight before oh. we know it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, something to kind of uh, stem the tide, um, you know, until we actually get the the issues. It's been um, it's been a while now that we've been talking about it, and there's still a bit more time to go. But uh, yeah, look, I, I think we've just got to sit on our hands and and just um, and just wait. And once it once it hits, um, hopefully our expectations are, are met. Um, yeah. I, I believe it will be. Um, yeah, but we'll uh, yeah yeah just just we have to play <laughs> the waiting game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's because we, we actually haven't seen a proper like Marvel posted online preview of it yet. We've seen no. it just posted on. Um, Twitter, but that's really it. So we still are due for our little preview. So definitely mm. keep your eyes peeled over these next coming weeks for something a bit more concrete when it comes to preview. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, good pick up on that Jake Thomas tweet. That was really good. Yeah, um, no, I mean it just it just gets me so excited. I mean the only mm. thing we've heard from Jake Thomas and um, Alex Alonso, editor in chief, is just like how blown away they are, and just sort of almost seems like Jeff Lemire, just such a strange out there and just unlike any other superhero comic we're reading at the time, which is what you want from Moon Knight. And it just seems like that's what we're hearing and that's what we want. Mm, it's um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, of course, they, they always promote all their um, all the material from, uh, um, from Marvel, but it just seems like with Moon Knight, uh, the editors and, and the writers, they, they seem to kind of... I don't know, have a bit more of a spring in their step when they talk about Moon Knight. That's yeah. just me. Uh, I, I think they're really excited at the fact... I, I think they know that um, Moon Knight has a um, has a smaller fan base but uh, is known now for <laughs> really good writers and really good art. So um, they've just got to make sure that they keep that standard up. Um, and uh, it sounds like they, they are. So, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Um, for our next piece of news, just sort of a, a classic... Uh, we want this on TV sort of article. Um, Heroic Hollywood put up a article saying the six superheroes who deserve animated shows. Mm. Yes, uh, there were six of them from different, um, you know, different companies as well. So we have, uh, I'll just, the six of them are basically uh, She-Hulk, uh, The Question, Moon Knight, Constantine, Spawn and Zatanna. So um, I'm not too familiar with a few of them, Connor, so I'm hoping you might be able to help me out. Um, but let's start with uh, She-Hulk. Uh, She-Hulk as an animated series goes, what do you what do you reckon? Now, let me get a bit of 
a bit of a rant about animation <laughs> because I feel it is the single most untapped resource of the comic book industry, and ah. I cry every day at the fact we don't see it pump more. I think, yeah. I mean, obviously I love live action. We want Moon Knight live action. Yeah. Take Moon Knight animated as well happily, but I think just in the grand scheme of things, we see this entire dedication for live action. I think mm-hmm. the craziness and style of comic books lend itself so much to animation you know mm. with manga the entire like every nearly every adaptation of manga is anime over in japan you know animation because that's mm-hmm. that's how we can see it realized i mm. think marvel and dc especially just aren't i think putting in the budget and mm-hmm. the resources to see great returns on amazing animated things we could see happening even dc and marvel's mm-hmm. animated kid shows you know they're great but i feel like even mm. more support, we could see something really incredible coming out of there, and I think it's just so untapped, and so yeah, just sad, yeah. and I think I think if we'll go on to She-Hulk, I think I, we talked about last time when it came to an article talking about a She-Hulk live action yeah. show, I think I'd almost love sort of her own Netflix-styled universe where, you know, like a She-Hulk animated show, a Hellcat animated show, and a, like a Spider-Woman animated show could almost be the Defenders universe yeah. of it, like an animated series. I think that could be so cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you raise definitely some really, really valid points in the fact that um, uh, there aren't enough... Uh, definitely from the Marvel side of it, I feel. Um, uh, I've heard... Um, from the DC side, uh, from fans, that DC animated stuff is, is really good. Like, the quality is really high, and, and I can't really speak too much about it because I haven't watched that many. Um, but, yeah, there, there definitely could be more. Um, and the beauty with animated um, series is are that you aren't as restricted with your budget, mm. so to speak. So, in this first thing about with, with She-Hulk, um, one of the limiting things would be um, in a live-action like Netflix series is that uh, you're constricted with what she can do, you know, um, because, and, you know, obviously how she looks as well. Uh, but in an animated series, you can have her, you know, lifting buildings or <laughs> something really crazy that it would be really hard to do uh, as a live action. Um, so I definitely yeah, totally agree with you, Connor, as well. Um, also, the anime aspect of it, uh, I'm not sure if you've... Uh, I've watched uh, Marvel did this collaboration with uh, um, an anime company um, a while ago, and they released a few things. Um, uh, there was a Wolverine series, an X Men series as well, uh, all really styled like a like a manga anime oh, style okay. cartoon. Really good, actually. The quality was was awesome. Um, and my favourite is still uh, there was one called I think um, Avengers Confidential, something like that, and it had Black Widow and the Punisher in there, um, and Shield as well. So it had Nick Fury, and that just rocked. I okay. mean. Uh, the animation was like top notch, like what I'd expect or what I'd expect to see from an, uh, a manga like anime. Um, but the the story was great. Uh, it was it was violent as well. We're not talking about a Saturday morning cartoon, which is nothing wrong with a Saturday morning cartoon as well. But it was more um, it was it had it was a bit edgier, um, and it, it had cameos from um, from the Hulk and Iron Man and Amadeus Cho. So it was actually, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to watch. Um, and yeah, I feel definitely that, uh, there is a, a bit of a hole in that market. And I think, I think, um, 
yeah, Marvel should really consider it. There were also Lionsgate uh, animated films. Um, Connor, I'm not sure. Have you? Did you watch? There was one on Iron Man. Yeah, I watched Doctor the Strange. Iron Man one. Yeah, they were good. I thought they were pretty decent. Um, I, I liked the Doctor Strange one. There was a um, a, a Wolverine, I think, versus the Hulk. Um, and I think, what was it, Hulk versus Thor, something like that, and actually had a little Deadpool in there as well, and he was brilliant. Um, so it just shows what can be done, and, um, yeah, they should actually um, kind of, uh, yeah, you know, tap that resource a bit more, I think. But, uh, yeah, yeah, She-Hulk will be great with it, and, and if you have a, a Defenders-style She-Hulk animated series with Hellcat in another and Spider-Woman, and then they, mm. they come together... That would be just that would be something different, and and I think it would actually get a lot of interest. Yeah, and um, actually, just talking about if we talk about Moon Knight, then as we talk about um, mm-hmm. the animated shows, I think I'd love almost you know we're talking about that anime style. I think because obviously we want him in the Netflix, and I think he will yes. be in the Netflix definitely in the coming years. I'd love for mm-hmm. like an animated movie to maybe do like an alternate universe spin, like do something sort of really fun and outlandish that doesn't have to tie into any sort of canon and they can just have this ah. crazy one-shot movie that could just yep. be a lot of fun. Oh, for, for like, for, for Moon Knight? Yeah, know? yeah, if we're going to see him in the, um, in the Netflix series coming. Ah, yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually, I was thinking about it, um, just earlier today. I think, um, as... As on-screen presences go, I reckon definitely my preference would be a Netflix series by Moon Knight, and then I think it would be a a regular uh, animated series by Moon Knight. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, and from what you said, I think I'd actually put that in number three as a, a standalone animated series, mm. like have it really kind of dark. I think that would be, or, or you know, or have something totally different. Uh, be open to that. And then actually at the end, I would put him at least like to see him in a, a uh, an on-screen film, live-action film. Yeah, no, that's really, yeah, it's just sort mm. of, you know, that's its own sort of part of the MCU, and there's a reason we have the more violent uh, mm. street level, and I think sort of having him on the big screen in that different environment kind of nulls a lot of what we love about the moodiness of um, Moon Knight. Mm. I mean, the only reason I'd... I mean, it's sounding really kind of indulgent now, but, yeah, the only reason... I'd like to have him in the movie would be like, you know, to get him on the screen at all, you know. If that was the thing that we got, then of course I'll be definitely happy with that. But yeah, definitely with Netflix would be first. And um, yeah, I'd actually like to see a well made animated series by Moon Knight um, up there as second, second or third. Um, yeah, so Moon Knight, uh, yeah, definitely one of them. Uh, the question, do you know who the question is, Connor? No, he's. No. He's a street. He's a street level um, DC character. DC hero. He is very beloved. Yeah. But um, oh, he's a hero, is he? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, must yeah, must be. I think so. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? He may even appear in this Batman, uh, I'm reading. Yeah. He's got no face. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, his defining feature. No face, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And then you got Constantine. He has uh, an animated show confirmed. Actually, they referenced that. Uh, he, they want a um in a vixen style con uh that they would that they would want to return in a vixen style Constantine animated series, but they do have a vixen style animated Constantine series coming. So oh, okay, what's a what's a vixen style? What's that? Um, it's basically set in and it's they're basically ten minute animated episodes set in the Arrowverse. 
Oh, okay. And okay. they and then I'm not sure whether they release them on TV or on their app, but I think they do get quite a bit of love. Um, if you know the character mm-hmm. the Ray, I've heard of the Ray. Rebecca's mentioned him. Yeah, he <laughs> he has a series coming up like that as well. So ah, certainly needs to do a bit of research. I think. Yes. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. Right. But I do yeah, like Constantine. Constantine. It's pretty cool. Yeah, actually, I. I you know, I don't know how it went over with fans, but I I didn't mind the Keanu Reeves one. I, I know he looked really different. The movie in the early two thousands, I think. I've never seen I thought that, that was actually. actually. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, it's pretty good. I don't know if it might be dated now, but um, it was really. I ended up um, playing the Xbox game as well. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. That's how much I enjoyed it. I um my uh made it well flatmate at the time. We ended up. Um, going, oh, let's go check it out on Xbox. We ended up playing it. It was really cool. Um, yep, so Constantine. Um, then, yeah, obviously Big Mooney there. Uh, I'm just flicking through the article here. Uh, then we've got Spawn. Um, that this original pretty... animated show was cool. I like that. Oh, okay, yeah, I never watched it. I think it, I think it would suit uh, an animated series, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just way out there. Uh, and again, budget-wise, and to make it kind of look authentic, what he does... Um, you know, if everything's animated, I think that would be pretty cool. And uh, finally, uh, this is someone I don't know, another DC person, Z- Zatanna. Um, is she? A mag- she's a magician. That's yeah, I, I, I like yeah. Zatanna. She um, yeah? she has like a cool little um, mini series coming, like about her past coming in okay. uh, DC, kind of like if anyone read Supergirl, being super that sort of what do they call it? Premiere, premiere sort of. Right. Release. I don't know what yeah. comics. I'm not sure why. I sort of podcast. I'm not very good at remembering comic book terms. Um, nah, no <laughs> I don't do any research. So, <laughs> so uh, that's fine. No, she has like a cool little prequel mini about her yeah. as like a teenager growing up, which could be a cool animated show. I think all of these would be okay. cool, but they'll be I good. To catch up on some of all these characters. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like Heroic Hollywood did a. You know, it's a nice one of those little nice fan casting things. Um, they pick six. Uh, you know, characters that could be in an animated show. There, there's heaps of them. You know, oh, yeah. if I if I had my way, it would be like Madrox, the Multiple Man, <laughs> as well. Uh, get him, get him in there anyway. That'd be cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, you can you can just pick and choose. There's so many so many characters out there. But um, it was good to see Mooney uh, included in this one. So um, yeah, he he seems to be very much kind of hovering, uh, you know, within the um. The field of uh, you know TV on screen um, wishes, so that that's always that's always got to be a good thing. Um, yeah. So um, our final apart- piece of news. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Apart from that, the only final piece of news was not news per se, but um, in particular more for uh, the our Australian loonies out there, because I'm not sure about the other countries. They may well have got them, but uh, I just want to do a quick little plug on uh, Destructo Design. Uh, a while ago, they released their Volume 2 uh, package of of uh, uh, designs for, for hoodies and for T-shirts, and uh, one of them was for, for Moon Knight. So uh, one of our loonies, Matt, uh, he finally received his in the post. And so I've got to say... It looks so good, doesn't it? Far out. It looked exactly what was written on the tin, um, and uh, it just looks perfect. So 
I, I've ordered one as well. I'm just still waiting, but um, yeah, after seeing Matt's um, post, uh, I can't wait for it. So uh, we'll have in, uh, we'll chuck in the show notes as well a link to Destructor Designs. But they're um, they're like a small company. Uh, they do a lot of uh, like pop culture. Um, designs for for hoodies and for for shirts. So if you're into Marvel, DC, um, you know anything, just oh, even anime as well or manga, just check it out. And they they do really cool designs. Um, so we'll chuck that in the show notes for you. But uh, yeah, that was a that was the the third little bit of news. Um, yeah, not much. Um, but yeah, um, anything yeah. else that you came across, Connor? Or no? No, it's been a yeah, it's quite weak. We're still just waiting. Thank mm. everyone who's tagging along for this uh, long run in terms of news. Mm. I'm sure yeah, you I mean, guys are just as eager to hear about this new yeah. run as we are, yeah, or Netflix. De- definitely. I mean, like, I came across also Connor a couple of mo- a couple of articles on again, like you know, who are the five actors you like to see as Moon Knight? I, I come across them again, but I didn't put them in because uh, you know we've seen that a fair few times. Um, and as mentioned, you can. You can spect all late uh, <laughs> until the cows come home. Uh, it's always fun to do, but uh, I think we've covered that a couple of times anyway yeah. in the news. So um, they pop up every now and again, uh, which is fun. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I thought I'd leave it for this time. Yeah, it seems um, seems like Punisher release date still either October 13 or mid-November. Those are sort of our two options. So we'll be mm. we're getting close to seeing uh, seeing some cabs in uh, the Punisher. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and what's your preference for um, release date, Connor? Would you Ooh. like to see it early, or would you yeah, like to wait? Yeah, no, totally yeah. give it to me early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as you can get that magnifying glass and start looking for cabs and and you know guys with uh, with uh, mustaches or, or big billionaires, bad, Anna. Must- bad mustaches. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I'm kind of. I'm kind of thinking uh, I can wait till November only because I want to, um, I want to give um, enough attention to Thor Ragnarok. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't want like too many things coming in the way, and um, I, I already feel like movies to me, films are taking a back seat. Uh, I, I feel like, like Defenders for me was a big. Um, a big highlight this year, and and um, the quality I, f- I find for defended uh, for Netflix shows has been really good, and uh, so I find to f- I tend to favour them a bit more than than films. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Spider Man. Spider Man was great. Yeah. Do you think um, we'll get a um, Moon Knight cameo in Thor Ragnarok? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There might be a Conchu one. <laughs> How about that from the other void or the over void? You see all these cosmic. Car? Oh, how cool is that? You see like. <laughs> A, a bird scale just flutter by. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, sadly, I don't think so. But uh, mm, we can only hope. We can only hope. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, um, having said that, we might move on to our next segment. Yes. Shall we um, head over the moon? Ooh, he's done it again. <laughs> Mr. Segway King, eh? We we were short of Segway's last episode. We're bringing <laughs> them back. A big one. Bring them back. Yeah. Yep. <gasps> well, um, I suppose I shall kick off with the uh, the final issue of Incarnations. This little arc, Moon Knight Volume Eight, Issue Nine, Incarnations, mm-hmm. Part Four or Four. Uh, released on the 7th of December 2016 with writer Jeff Lemire, penciled by the incredible team, 
Wilfredo mm-hmm. Torres, Francisco Francavilla, James Stokoe, Greg Smallwood, with colors by Michael Garland on the Torres art, uh, Francavilla and Stokoe coloring their own art, and Belair on the Amazing Smallwood segment, are lettered amazingly once again by DC's Corey mm-hmm. Petit, uh, the cover by Greg Smallwood, and our editor, Jake Thomas. Boom. <laughs> For our bare bones. Mr. Knight confronts his other personalities in New Egypt and calls for unity despite the other personalities not wanting to relinquish their lives as individuals. The harsh truth that Space Knight Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, and Stephen Grant are but constructs of Mr. Knight's mind does not go down well with the trio, and the sudden disintegration of Space Mark thus instigates a fight between Jake Lockley and Mr. Knight. It's a fight for survival and the right to exist, and although Jake puts up a good struggle, a present dart from Mr. Knight and Tim returns him to dust. With two of his personalities now neutralized, Mr. Knight searches for Stephen Grant, his oldest personality construct, who had fred- fled during the fight. Throughout New Egypt, Mr. Knight searches for Stephen, but it's not long before he finds him in an abandoned office. Stephen is almost submissive and he pleads, as he pleads with Mr. Knight the question of his existence. Life memories like corn dogs and Coney Island with his dad seem all too real. Stephen is scared and unsure of what's to come. Mr. Knight explains to Stephen that it was all very real. Stephen's existence was true, but it essentially came out of Mr. Knight. The subsequent alter, alter egos which came later were, were a way to deal with his illness. As time went by, the alter egos began to emerge and Mr. Knight began to lose who he really was, ultimately resulting in New Egypt. Stephen is afraid to die, Mr. Knight assures him he won't, but by accepting Mr. Knight's purpose to consolidate his personality, Stephen Grant will always be alive with him. Stephen accepts and in a warm embrace accepts his fate. Mr. Knight slash Mark Spector is alone again, but now with a clear head and mind, he accepts that he is back in New Egypt with a new purpose, and he finally knows what must be done. He heads back to the hospital to kill Conchu once and for all. Yes, wow. Part Big issue. Yeah. I mean, and it, it does kind of close itself out, but um, kind of gears up for the next one, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah, I, it's kind of like a closing to what we've seen. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, I mean, as three arcs, Lemire really has set this up as almost a three-act structure of the film. Yeah. You know? Yep. We've got, we've got the final battle in our sights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a massive construct, isn't it? Because... Um, uh, he definitely has planned this all from the start, and uh, as you say, the three arcs themselves act as three acts to a, a whole, a greater, bigger thing. But at the same time, the beauty of it is that each of them, um, th- this kind of ended with a nice bit of closure. Mm. Uh, there was it was a very um, uh, resolved e- uh, ending to this arc because uh, what we have are these personalities that. Um, are finally meeting together, like they've finally been corralled together, and uh, and kind of slowly, almost, um, you know, to 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 
to coin a Madrox phrase, um, absorbed into, <laughs> into Mr. Knight. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was a, a really good issue. Um, again, the artists were, they just hit it out of the park. Um, and there was so much, I thought, empathy that Lemire still managed to give to each of the characters to actually make, um, when they do merge back or when they do get reclaimed by Mr. Knight, it makes it all the more poignant. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of what I love about Lemire. You know, Lemire's a great writer. If anything, he tackles everything with such vigor and, you know, great action, great. But when it comes to what I think I love most about Lemire and probably my favourite comic of all time is his uh, Essex County, which is oh, just okay. like a... Just, just a story of you know lives and in the in the town it occupies, and uh-huh. I think this issue just shows what an emotional and personal writer he is. I love that so much. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of emotion in this. Um, we'll, we'll get into it, but uh, one of the the one of my favourite splash pages from this is that embrace um, yeah. between Stephen and and, uh, and and Mr. Knight at the end. Uh, it was almost like an acceptance, but. It was an acceptance, but it was a sacrifice as well. It was it was really good stuff from Lemire. So, um, uh, yeah, let's kick it off. Uh, first, um, one of our four aspects uh, I placed down as one of the main things is um, Mr. Knight taking back his personalities. Uh, and I thought, basically, what I touched upon just a bit earlier, I thought what was really great was that uh, he fleshes out, in such a short time, he yeah. fleshes out these personalities to actually make you uh, empathetic towards them. Um, so the first page with Space Knight Mark, uh, it's just four panels, and he's talking about, hang on, I um, I went through this crazy experience. Like, I, uh, you know, I've seen the Avengers and the X-Men turn to werewolves. I've seen friends and family... Um, turn and that's even worse than them dying you know I, I always think of like the walking dead you know when you see your loved ones as zombies mm. you, you kind of see them turned as something else and uh, he talks about just uh, how difficult that was and the absurdity and the absurdity of you're telling me it's not real you know this is like telling you Connor that you know your life up to this point was just kind of like meaningless you know that it wasn't really real all the emotions that you felt all mm. the all the pain and all the joy that was just nothing it was it was some other thing so um yeah he he let me um defines these personalities um again uh with Stephen Grant towards the end he defines him by um Stephen Grant reflecting and going oh yeah, you mean though uh, those memories of having corn dogs at Coney Island with my dad? You're not saying that that's real, and uh, and he was almost lamenting uh, that you know I can't believe it. Th- these were fond memories. So Lemire adds these to the personalities, um, and it makes it all the more uh, just effective when Mister Knight has to reclaim them. Yeah, I think I think that's probably my favorite part about this issue that what could have essentially just been like narrative obstacles you know collect collect the um personalities go off to fight conchu you know you really feel sympathetic towards him you're right you know mm. that whole thing about their lives being a lie and all that you know it's it's almost sad it's it's not almost it is sad seeing them try to try to fight back almost like against fate and almost mm. cr- the cruel hand cast by this terrible world of new yeah. egypt and what Maybe Conchu's created. Maybe it's all in his head. Oh, it's so warped, yeah. isn't it? I mean, at, at this stage, still, uh, 
it's you don't know you don't know what New Egypt is. It's a conglomeration of New York and Egypt, but it for sure it can't be real, right? As a reader, you're thinking, no yeah. way. Like New York can't be overrun with pyramids and sand. So what is it? Is it like yeah? Is it is it in Mark's head? Is is it is it really a construct of consciousness? Some weird reality? Because um, remember, this kind of goes beyond space and time, apparently. So uh, yeah. I, well, I was about to say, you know, I was like going to say, you know, in New Egypt, in made by like Conchu and I had to take a step back to realize I don't you don't know that like mm. e- even oh, yeah, having but... completed the run you still don't know and mm. what Bemis is doing next you still don't know like it's, it's Lemire it's... back at it again it is it's a uh, it's a very kind of um kind of snake eating itself that's how I, how I think <laughs> it is it, it, there's no end point because you you just don't know um uh, yeah how, how about one of your aspects Connor um I think We'll talk about the artist. We're talking about personality. We've mm-hmm. spoken over the last five issues, if you include, uh, if you include issue five, which introduces the uh, rotating artists and personalities. What we what we've seen and what we've always talked about is that, like distinct art, you know, art and the way we see it change. And how over the last few issues, you would have heard us talking about how much more seamlessly it blends mm-hmm. and, you know, what the colorists do. And this issue was the apex, you know, mm-hmm. being in one location, one character, all this, the art just moves so perfectly from personality to personality to personality that, you know, you don't, you, you don't, you don't even notice, you notice the first point where it changes, mm-hmm. but at the final leg of this issue, you basically see the end of um, uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, the uh, space space captain, uh, mm-hmm. dying to stand, and then you see the jump to um, Frank Avere's art, and the way with the backgrounds and the colouring, the way Frank Avere's then turns to Torres, and then the final page with um, with Smallwood back on art, there's the, almost like the tiniest of indicators as you flow and just so naturally accept the new art style. And I think it's just like what's been built up, and I think it's so perfect. Mm. There's a... Yeah, I'm just... I'm looking through the pages now. There is a a really, as you say, a real blend of the art, um, and I can see it. The first thing that pops out for me uh, are the colours. Now, yeah. well, I remember, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Frank Avia does his own colours, Stoko does his own colours, um, Garland does uh, Torres's, and Belair does Smallwood's. Um, they all start to, to marry together. Um, so Belair's gives a New Egypt a, a greeny, kind of green-grey feel. Uh, and you see, for the first time, uh, Frank Avia, he actually follows up on that. You know, yeah. Many times we've seen him with the blues and yellows and, uh, and a bit of the pinks. Um, to give his style, he's starting to um, succumb, I guess, to the new Egypt style, and and so of course, of course, for consistency, he uh, he adds it in. Uh, what I did find interesting though was that um, Space Mark, uh, his coloring Stoko still maintains a a purpley pink um, yeah. hue, so he's very different from from the others. Uh, and I think that ties into the point where you know Mark. Um, Mr. Knight here, um, mm-hmm. he very specifically says that he don't, he doesn't even know where this Space Knight came from, and that basically he's just a, yeah. he's almost like an unfinished sketch. Yeah. You know, 
being too different from the other Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant personalities that we've known for years. I think that art's almost, again, like an indicator of just how strange and just unknown yeah. he is from the world of Moon Knight. Yeah, totally agree, because... Um you know, for any Moon Knight fan, um, this is this is a given. Like the space Space Knight Mark is just something totally out of left field. Like we we know Mark Specter the mercenary, um, but Space Knight is definitely something that was just created during this particular run. So uh, next to no history at all. Uh, so and obviously the the most disposable. Um, I wonder, kind of Mister Knight. You know, we call him Mister Knight. In the would that Mister Knight. It would be Mark Spector as well, right? The yeah, Mark definitely. Spector. Yeah, yeah, because Mister Knight is is a newish character as well, introduced by Warren Ellis in um in Volume Seven. So Mister Knight's still new. So um, although, yeah, I guess for this purpose we had addressed him as Mister Knight because we did have a Mark Spector, but Mark Spector here is a a new Mark Spector, which is the Space Knight. So, uh, yeah, if you're still with us, loonies, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you're doing well. Um, yeah, so even the greens go on to um, to Michael Garland's uh, color, coloring for, for Wilfredo Torres, and you see Mr. Knight slash Mark Spector looking for, for Stephen Grant, and as he goes through New Egypt... Uh, he finds him, and it's not only—it's not until he actually goes into the office where he finds Stephen that the hues change to a blue. Um, and I, yeah. And yeah, once so, again, uh, Smallwood carries on that blue into the first panel of his next page before he mm. re-enters the, the the green night. Sky? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Egypt. Back into the the new, the new Egypt. Uh, new Egypt apparently is very green. So yeah, yeah. Um, great, great art here. Uh, and you mentioned, sorry, Connor, um, uh, one of the aspects about Torres, right? And, and it being his, his uh, best work to date. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on to my second um, aspect mm-hmm. then, uh, our third one, before we get mm-hmm. to Ray's final and our fourth aspect, that I think this issue is Torres's best work. Uh, my favourite part of the issue where, you know, we, we see a big revelation that the Stephen Grant personality was the first, and the most personal and close to Mark Spector as a person. And I think the writing in the scene is so powerful and emotional as Mark confronts Stephen in this very sad but accepting mm. goodbye. And I think the facial the facial and emotional body language Torres done, does here is my favourite of this entire issue and just mm. sticks out so much. And it's just absolutely beautiful. There's, there's in this scene, this art, like there's no better art here than what, to go with what Lemire writes and what's happening before our eyes. Yeah, it's, it's a testament to him. And, and obviously, they are one in the same person. So, yeah, definitely they uh, Torres's art is really good in conveying uh, how much they look alike, but at the same time, how different they are. Um, I mean, you've got the small thing of, uh, of Mark Spector having uh, a few whiskers and uh, a Band-Aid over his nose. Uh, Stephen Grant is a lot more dapper, and he's never been a fighter, right? So I think yeah. um, I think the way that Mark um, slash Mister Knight has approached him is a very very good way because Stephen Grant, um, you know, even well, Mark Spector is a mercenary. Jake Lockley has has seems to have violent tendencies, um, <laughs> and, and uh, Stephen, but Stephen Grant though is uh, is basically like a businessman, a producer. Um, so he's got no. Um, no, I guess no skills in fighting, um, and and it's because of this that I think that um, Mark or slash Mister Knight 
kind of approaches him in another way. It approaches more to his emotions. Um, and it's very touching in this, I think, uh, in this Torres bit, um, where he just talks how, look, you're, you're my closest, um, personality. Like, you know, I created you first. Uh, I needed someone. I needed a friend when I was young and, and, uh, and he created, I created you, Stephen. Um, I also think that this, uh, this, bit with with uh, Wilfredo Torres just to to go on it a little further is that I think this bit of writing um, by Lemire is a really perfect and a very um, a really sensitive way to to approach and um, highlight like mental illness in general I think it was a really uh, a really sensitive way to do it like by, by kind of going through this story, he also says, um, you know, you've always been with me. We share our lives together. Uh, you were the first. We, uh, you came to me when I was very young. At first, I thought you were an imaginary friend that I would play with when I was home, alone at, at home. Um, and then he said, then we weren't playing together. I was with you. Um, then I'd be me again for a while. Uh, so anyway, Lemire talks about, he goes through, and from what I imagine, uh, is what happens to someone with with a, a dissociative uh, disorder. Mm. Uh, um, so yeah, really, really good writing from Lemire. Yeah, and that's sort of what I was talking about before. Just how he, my favourite writing of Lemire is always the most personal and mm. touching, and this issue was no exception. Yeah, so he's done it very well, um, I think. Uh, my uh, my final or fourth aspect I thought from this issue uh, is. Uh, again with with Stephen and it, it basically it, this was a segue into it I guess it was his um how Stephen was very important is very important to Mark Spector mm. and and was his first other personality um, uh, as we mentioned the newest one which was Space Knight Mark he dissolved first because he was the the most expendable and and the least um, uh, defined as you mentioned Connor um, and uh, I guess how Spectre reveals that Stephen was his uh, first companion, and it was it was his coping mechanism for for his his illness. Um, and there's something very touching with that. And and then when you see Stephen finally come around, and uh, although he's he must be scared out of his wits because you know he's a strange guy that looks like him saying, oh, "I'm essentially essentially going to reclaim everything from you." Um, you know, you're going to return to dust. Uh, he's scared out of his wits, but he accepts it. Mm. Um, and yeah, that that that's what makes that final um, splash page for this act um, when they hug each other really, um, really impactful. Yeah, and I think actually just uh, gone to um, a point you brought up about the different personalities and Jake Lockley with uh, the upcoming Beam this run actually that. Um, mm-hmm. Bemis referenced that Jake Lockley was sort of the baddest and, you know, most dangerous uh, out of the three main personas outside of Moon Knight of... Um, yeah, he did, right. Mark Spector. And this, this issue kind of concreted that. You know, he was the one under the guise of Moon Knight who put up the fight. It does, doesn't it? It's, um... You know, we discussed before, like, uh, well... My opinion was that Mark Spector would have been the most dangerous and, and violent one. I mean, he comes from a mercenary background. Um, but yeah, Lemire definitely plays on Jake Lockley, who's dressed up as Moon Knight. Um, who, and, and the last issue as well, he was the one that kind of, um, had the violent tendencies to, to break free of the interrogation room and, you know, to, um, to confront Midnight Man. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that was a good pickup. 
Um, just a, a few notes from from this issue though as well. I, I thought uh, again going back to Stephen Grant and what is real and not. Um, I put in here like a dream within a dream like within a dream. It's kind of like Inception. What I found was very cool was that okay, so we got New Egypt, which we don't know is if it's not the reality or not. But within that reality, we have Stephen Grant who's come through this door saying, "Oh." This is exactly like the production that um, <laughs> I, I'm doing for a movie for Marvel Studios. So he references kind of our reality, but uh, what his reality is, is reflected in New Egypt, which may or may not be a reality. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all so kind of in on itself. Um, I, I just found that really, really great. Um, yeah, I mean, again, just a little note on the artwork. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, we've talked about that. Uh, there's a little, um, again, a little mention of Marlene and, uh, again, how she um, kind of saw the wheels falling off with Mark uh, losing control of his personalities. So, again, we we get that consistent with history of Marlene um, uh, being the, the, the more aware person or being the one that is always kind of looking out for Mark. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, the other note was the emotive monologue by Space Mark, which I mentioned before, about um, it really humanises him. Um, the big splash of uh, Stephen Grant and Miss Knight um, embracing. Uh, and yeah, that, there was a, that little question I thought I put to you, Connor, about Mr Knight as the dominant personality. Is that Mark Spector or not? And I think we'd agree that it probably is, right? Yeah, which... which- which is interesting because, I don't know, I, I think going back to the previous run, Volume 7, with Ellis and Wood and um, Bun, um, mm-hmm. the way that run's positioned and we see Moon Knight in sort of a very, you know, alone and sort of unwell and dangerous state, would you say in that run? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, you do sort of see Mr. Knight as the as a prominent personality. So it's quite possible that between this one and Lamia, as we head into Bemis, it's possible that Mr. Knight and Mark Spector almost just became one, you know. Mm. Maybe Mr. Knight isn't as much a personality anymore as he just is the one person now instead of being so separate from him, like uh, Jake Lockley, Moon Knight, and uh, Stephen Grant. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's a bit weird because mm. um, in the story, like in this story at least, um, Mark's talking about how merging the personalities was a problem, like how they all started merging together and, and he didn't know what was real or not and he lost he lost the identity of himself. So I always kind of think about that, um, but you're right, exactly as you say, it seems as though merging them counterintuitively is is what is the end end goal. Um, so, I don't know. It's a bit loose in that in that regard. Mm. Um, but maybe it's more like... Um, maybe it's more like merging them, still having them, but having them un- under control kind of thing. So, instead of, like, uh, you know, literally merging their personalities, personalities together... Um, yeah, but anyway, I don't want to give too much away because we all know what happens in the, in the last arc. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, wait. it's uh, still kind of I'm still perplexed at it. <laughs> um, but it was it was v- very good. And look, we we can't um, not uh, mention the the final page as well, kind of, which was uh, it, it kind of yeah. gets geared up for the next arc. This is almost like the most remembered photo of 
mm. of like most famous now photo of Moon, um, Moon Knight over the past few years. You see, mm. you see this picture cropping around a lot. The adjusting the tie, ready to go into battle. Yeah, very um, very sure of himself. Uh, very kind of um, you know, scary looking as well because he's got the mask on. Uh, so he kind of looks quite deadly. Um, but yeah, brilliantly drawn yeah. by by Greg Smallwood. I love the page behind as well, where you just sort of see. Mark after this big ordeal and he's sort of just sort of face resting and feeling the moonlight after almost like being exhausted and gathering his strength. Just it's ah. just wonderful work by Smallwood. Love that page. It, it is as he looks up into the moon and almost basks in the moonlight. Yeah. Uh, kind of alludes to uh, again no spoilers, um, but towards the next uh, the next arc. If you remember Connor. Um, anyway, there's some brilliant panels mm. there which which Definitely. kind of um, reference this. I think so. Uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, Crescent Dart ratings, Connor. What would you give this one to, to round off incarnations? No, I think a definite uh, six out of five. I think you know, a lot <laughs> of the last issues have sort of been, you know, celebration of what makes Moon Knight an incredible action comic. This is almost the complete one hundred and eighty of being just as amazing, but with action driven by dialogue. Yeah, I think it's just it's just perfect. I think it's definitely my favorite uh, issue of this arc. Yeah. I would I'd give it a six out of five as well. Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I think I gave a five out of five for the last issue, which I really I enjoyed. Well, but this, mm, yeah, but this one's um, this one's got everything again. I mean, like I said with the last issue, but it really delves and it really humanizes all the personalities, and that's what I found really really strong about this issue. Also, um, uh, the way that Jeff Lemire treats the uh, topic of mental illness, I think, was very well done here. So, um, and, and of course, I mean, we're almost um, taking for granted the artwork, but the artwork was just immense oh, yeah. in this. So, um, you've, you put them all together, and there's a bit of action as well with um, Jake Lockley attacking uh, Mr. Knight. So, you get your, you get a little bit of action, um, but uh, this was a really, I thought, a really intelligent way to, to finish the arc, so I've got to give it more than what I gave the last issue, so 6 out of 5 for it all the way. Heck yeah. Well, from one amazing issue to the next. Yeah, so so for our next um, Over the Moon review, we have uh, Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 24, and it's titled Scarlet in Moonlight. Uh, so this was released the 1st of October, 1982, and we have the classic team of writer Doug Monch, uh, penciler uh, Bill Shinkovich, uh, we have colours by Christy Skeel, uh, and Joe Rosen doing the lettering, and the editor uh, is Denny O'Neill. Um, so, uh, what we have for The Bare Bones? In the South Bronx, a shady deal is going down behind closed doors at an undisclosed restaurant. Just as a final agreement has been made involving a Mr. Manny Sindone, the shadowy men are assaulted by a lone figure armed with a crossbow. None appear to make it out alive, except for the hapless waiter who runs out onto the street. High above, Moon Knight surveys the neighbourhood silently wondering what it was exactly that drew him to the South Bronx. He hears the waiter scream, MURDER! and promptly heeds the call. Moon Knight's agility and determination proves to no avail 
as he only manages to catch a glimpse of the figure whilst giving chase from the, from the scene of the crime. Narrowly dodging an arrow, Moon Knight is left with only one thing he's sure of, that the killer is a woman. Detective Flint and his squad examine the crime scene as Moon Knight returns after having unsuccessfully apprehend, apprehended the suspect. Apprehended the suspect. Flint confirms the victims were all tied to crime and Moon Knight spots the calling card of stained glass scarlet scrawled on the wall. He bids adieu to Detective Flint and races to the old cathedral where he last encountered stained glass scarlet. Not finding her there, Moon Knight's detective skills lead him to the cemetery where he finds Scarlet there looking over her son's grave. Stained Glass Scarlet explains how Mr. Manny Sindone was responsible for her son's spiral into crime and madness. She wants vengeance against Sindone, but more importantly, Stained Glass Scarlet declares war on crime. Moon Knight, left stunned, lets Stained Glass Scarlet go and returns home to Marlene to ponder the moral conflict which vexes him. Insensitive to Marlene's own suffering at the recent loss of her brother, Mark leaves with Frenchie in the Mooncopter to catch up with Stained Glass Scarlet. He finds her at Northbrook, New Jersey, stalking the building with Sindone in it. Before she gets any closer, Moon Knight intercepts Scarlet and pleads with her not to follow through with her intent. Sindone's men spot the two, and in the melee, Scarlet escapes, leaving Moon Knight to ward off the goons. Scarlet enters the building, killing all those in her wake, and she reaches Sindone with her eye on the prize. Sindone manages to pull a gun on Scarlet, and at that moment, Moon Knight catches up with Scarlet and draws a crescent dart at Sindone. In an agonising choice, Moon Knight chooses to disarm Sindone with his crescent dart, giving Scarlet the opportunity to shoot her crossbow and kill Sindone, thus completing her mission. She flees, with Moon Knight giving chase, at the train tracks, Moon Knight, in one final effort, throws his truncheon at Scarlet's legs, hoping to stop her. He misses, and wonders if he missed on purpose. So, well, yeah, this was a this was a ripper of an issue, Connor. It was a great choice. Yeah, this is this is this is Moon Knight to me when I think of um Doug Munch and um Bill Sinkavich. Uh, this is yeah, this is it. You know, this whole feeling, incredible art. Poetic writing, mm-hmm. just sort of the mood and the the dark atmosphere. This this is just a hundred percent moon night to me. Mm. It's uh yeah, it's got moans written all over it. Uh, <laughs> it's just tragic figures. Um, it's very street level. There's nothing nothing crazy about it. Yeah, um, and it's great to see stained glass scarlet back, albeit in a killing mood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, one year. So if uh, if people don't go bad after ten issues, and they go bad after <laughs> a year, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's almost turned into like a Punisher, right? She's declared war on on crime, um, but she has a, a an agenda for this issue, and and one that's quite personal. Um, yeah. So, uh, Connor, how about uh, we'll, we'll grab one of your first um, aspects? Ooh, where to start? Where to start? I think we'll because you have one as well that we can. Yep. Um, link into this talk about okay. uh era stained mm-hmm. glass scarlet and basically how in this issue both as a character and as a narrative device for moon knight she basically becomes uh his punisher you know yeah moon knight you know moon knight plays dirty but he's he's by no means an, an outrageous murdering no. machine 
He's not cold blooded, no. Yeah, and and here's here's the issue that we really we really see Moon Knight having to face. You know, people out there wanting wanting to wanting revenge so much they'll they'll take the law into their own hands and do the dirty work that Moon Knight won't take himself to because he hasn't uh, shown up against Punisher or really much anyone else in the no. in the Marvel universe at this point outside of like that issue with Daredevil before was it. Daredevil, yeah, issue 13, I think. Um, but that was just like a one and done. It was very, uh, yeah, yeah, it was very, very short. Um, but yeah, uh, he's coming up against his own Punisher here in Fascinera. Um, very, very interesting because um, I'm thinking, uh, look, you know, if Conchu in the later later series, as we see, if Conchu's the, the little devil on his shoulders, he'd be loving Fascinera, you know. He'd yeah. probably be wanting to to for Fascinera to be the avatar of vengeance, not not Mooney, because Conchu wants blood. Um, so we have this conflict here, and this is the conflict that that Moon Knight faces with Conchu as well. Um, so this is a conflict that Moon Knight has with Fascinera about her wanting to just kill um, and get rid of Kron. Uh Yeah, uh, and, and that this is highlighted more so, mostly in the. Um, I think in the cemetery where they meet up, they have a good uh, conversation there, um, which is basically highlights um, highlights you know whether or not killing is justified or not. Yeah, I think um, that's where. Let me pull up some specific quotes, but I think mm-hmm. after he talks to, um, yeah, that whole cemetery scene as he's going through the uh, uh, through the church. Um, is where, you know, that incredible poetic writing of Munch takes his effect, and there's so many incredible lines uh, talking yeah. about. I love how he talks about, um, you know, the cathedral remains the same. Then when time and neglect have long since worked their dark miracles, how can a single year improve on squalor so it's exquisitely wrought? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good writing from uh, from Munch, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. There's, uh, there's also another one I'm looking at here, um... Which kind of shows a darkness to to Scarlet. Um, Moon Knight goes. Uh, they're basically talking about killing and what. And Moonlight goes. Uh, and you think that crossbow is any less loath- loathsome nah. than a gun? And she goes, "Yes, it's a matter of degrees. <laughs> At least my chosen weapon isn't quite so impersonal, nor nearly so cowardly." So she also almost has a um, not a fetish, but like uh, she she values that. Whoever she kills, it has to be personal, which is kind of a very morbid and dark thing t- to have. So, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, they struggle, and uh, it's funny with this this one, uh, this conversation here that uh, Moon Knight just just lets her go. Yeah, I think that's um, a very strange thing to do after like she's pretty much confessed that she'll be killing and killing. Uh, I don't know whether he's uh, he's stunned at at, at her. Um, openness about it, or whether he's shocked at, um, and this will tie into one of the aspects I had, which is uh, Manny Sindone. Uh, maybe he was just shocked at hearing her connection to him. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a real sort of, you know, the old feminine touch back then. But I think just, uh, just generally, it's the real sort of moral conflict. And then he goes home, and as you put quite insensitively. Talking to Marlene comes yeah. to realise his almost stupidity with how he's not seeing the situation was blinded by, you know, not wanting to see yes. Sassanera hurt. 
And, and, and he is blind. I mean, poor Marlene <laughs> is obviously... She's obviously suffering, and and this is something that's happened between you know issues that we've we've read fourteen and twenty four. Her um her brother, uh, who we featured, uh, we we reviewed in um, issue twelve with um, yep, Morpheus. Morpheus. Uh, he's kicked the bucket uh, apparently, <laughs> and uh, Marlene's suffering, but uh, in typical Mark Spector fashion, insensitive to it all, and uh, he just wanders off, going, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Why settle for either?" So he's uh, pretty uh, he's pretty ignorant to the whole fact. Um, but yeah, uh, what I was heading towards with one of my aspects was uh, this this character, Candyman Sindone, uh, who's a big boss in this, um, and he I think is a very well, he's a big bad in this issue. So you know, if you think Scarlet uh, Stained Glass Scarlet is bad, um, Munch creates uh, Sindone, and we're just we're just made to really loathe this guy. He's pretty bad. Um, stained glass in the in the cemetery. She mentions uh, at the age of eighteen, Manny Sindone. Uh, he jumped a fourteen-year-old girl and cut her throat and stuffed her in the trunk of a car, uh, all because uh, she didn't want to go out with him. Uh, and then at the age of twenty-two, he bombed seven shop owners who refused to pay him protection money. Uh, you know, so he's a pretty bad. He's a pretty bad dude. And to top it all off, um, that's why they call him Candyman Sindone. He actually got. Mad Dog Fascinera, um, Stained Glass Scarlet's son, onto uh, onto heroin, and uh, and kind of led him towards his path of of crime. So he's a pretty bad figure in mm. this, um, and it's I think it's important that Munch made such a bad villain. Uh, so we counter that with Stained Glass Scarlet, and we're kind of on her side, you know? I mean, because yeah. for all intents and purposes, she's a killer herself. So she's pretty bad, um, but if you have someone who's even worse, <laughs> uh, it puts things in perspective. Yeah, and I, I, I like also sort of that, well, you know, also always the comic book people, uh, comic book villains of, you know, getting away with it, but, you yeah. know, that that is sort of... I, I do sort of love the very almost, not so much generic, but grounded and, you know, unsupervillainy yeah. nature of, of, of this villain. You know, he's not totally. he's not the kingpin. He's, he still hasn't got superpowers. He's just a terrible man doing terrible mm. things on, like, Wall Street. Yeah. That's a, this is one of the scariest things, isn't it? Sometimes the scariest mm. villains are those that... Uh, that ring the most true, and uh, he could very well be a, a Punisher villain, you know. Quite yeah, a, yeah. Um, uh, and, and if we think this was uh, written in 1982, this is quite dark. I mean, talking about slitting throats and uh, you know trying to jump a girl and, and getting people addicted to heroin, this is pretty heavy stuff. So um, yeah, so again, Munch is not afraid to pull the punches here, <laughs> and I think this harks back, Connor, to our episode zero <laughs> when. Um, when we discussed about Munch and his his want to um, uh, to tell more adult tales, yeah. and how the direct to market um, sales for Moon Knight, so uh, the com- the Moon Knight comics were no longer just available on newsstands. You can actually, I think, they were only available in special specialist stores, i.e., comic book stores. And uh, what Munch said that he that allowed him to actually tell. Uh, more adult tales, and it actually had less ads, so he was able to expand his story a bit more. Um, and I think this is a prime example of that. For sure, it is. Yeah, just 
real I, I think I, I love about the story just being un- like just generally without supernatural just that mm-hmm. just that touch of yeah yeah this is this is why I love street level stuff this is this is like a perfect example yeah. it's just uh, uh they're interesting characters they're not over the top um but yeah it's definitely a um definitely a study in 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 like evil in human uh human nature which is really cool um how about your second aspect connor yeah let's talk about the the most wonderful part and one of the reasons i wanted to oh, jump to this uh shinkovich's art this is you know, Shinovich just throughout this entire series just got better and better, but this is the part I love the most. And with um, the incredible colorist of uh, Shiel, first yep. name, uh, Christy Sk- Shiel, I think. Shiel, yeah, Christy. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, Connor, you are not wrong <laughs> when you told me there is such a leap here like uh Shinkovich has always been a great artist let's let's you know but um you know even great artists obviously mature and they they get better and looking at um issue 14 what we did a couple of episodes ago and then looking at this oh my god it's uh not only in the detail like he's again my fascination with the architecture but the way he lays out uh not not so much the panels, but just the what's within the panel itself. I can, if we look at the first page, um, uh, showing uh, the South Bronx, what we have is a blood red moon, a full moon. We have almost this vampiric um, image, uh, vision of stained glass Scarlet's eyes on the top, and uh, and then a really down and dirty um, Bronx neighbourhood with. Uh, it looks like a hell of a lot of washing out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, this sort of stuff, Connor, is, is brilliant. And I, um, what, what I got from it as well was, uh, the, the angles, the perspectives mm, that perspective, he does. Perspective, yeah. Oh, he really, he really is starting to come into his own. And this is where I really bring Sheil into it too, because her, her colouring, I think, is one of the, real parts that really does make it pop and I think um, the real example anyone who's getting their chance to read this sadly this isn't in um, the epic collection or on Marvel Unlimited mm, or Comixology you yeah. really have to own the issue or the essential collections Yep, which sadly doesn't have that before, does it? no it doesn't no. no it's black and white so it's a different kind of tone but uh, yeah yeah um, I love um, uh, the I think it's pa- yeah, it's pages nine to fifteen. After as Moon Knight explains to Flint, you sort of see yeah, yeah. this almost collage of different people and scenes. Yeah, just going one over the other, and you can really see, you know, how things are brought to the forefront. You know, yeah. Fascinator is behind a smoking Flint. Yeah, and oh, uh, how about her face? What a what a really yeah. nice portrait by Shinkovich. Really good. And then, yeah, my favorite bit in the cemetery with the with the way the shadows work, okay. and we see oh, these yeah. these yeah, you know, these, almost these cre- these creatures of the night just yeah. faded in it, and the way that reflects their personalities. And my favorite panel is one with um, yeah, full face of a fascinera with the with a very distinct white and black moon knight standing behind her as yeah. they, oh, they yeah, begin be- their argument about morality and. Yeah, pick, picked it. I thought I thought that's one that you would mm. you would like because her exactly. face is so real. It's like it's so realistic. Uh, it just it just shows Shinkovich's skill in it. And, and yeah, to have Moon Knight there. I love the colours from Skill here. The the purples coming out. <laughs> it's uh, almost like because it is. It I think he catches up with her right about around dusk. 
So you would get those kind of colours as the sun goes down. Um, yeah, but really, really nice. And what there's one that I actually uh, I I put up on our Instagram account, but it's uh, page 16 with uh, a bit of a montage. They're showing Candyman Sindone, um, yes, uh, converting Mad Dog or Joe into into Mad Dog Fascinera. Uh, it's quite terrifying there with a uh, yeah with his red face, but. What I love is very simple here, the the panel on the right with the silhouette of Moon Knight uh, just behind the, the the metal fence to the mm. cemetery. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just looks so artistic. It's really good. Absolutely fantastic. And, you know, just relying on that sort of setup and colour that Shinkovich and S.H.I.E.L.D. bring together. You know, mm. There's no definable features of Moon Knight outside of this. You no. know, a, a rough silhouette in his cape and mm. the red of the moon and... Yeah, and even even going on, like he's actually, you know, I'll, I'll go on about it again. But his architecture, yeah. the art of his architecture, um, if you look at all the buildings that he does, they're not none of them are, are like generic or just just kind of a, an afterthought. There's a lot of of care and meticulation into each of the buildings. So even if you go to when when we head to Northbrook, New Jersey, where the where the thugs and the criminals are, uh, even that um, is a you know, a well, a well detailed bit of architecture of a, of a, a mansion in the woods, I think. Um, but yeah, very, very cool indeed. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing that Shinkovich managed this at a, a month to month rate for thirty eight mm. issues without break. I think. Oh gosh, yeah, definitely, and uh, and a longer, longer comic book as well, because yeah. without the less ads, we've got here, I think, twenty eight pages. Whereas a typical ad would, a typical comic would be about twenty-three pages, I think, back in the day. So he's got a bit more to work with, and you know, still the, um, still the time frame. So yeah, really good, uh, really great faces by by um, by Shinkovich. Uh, and also the Telltale um, we've got here that he we mentioned it before how he likes to use the um, street lights or you know lights yes. in the distance um, to give that kind of mood. Uh, and you see it again, even at the last page with the train coming. Uh, it just kind of sets a mood. It's very, very typical of um, of, of like the Moon Knight world, I think. Um, yeah, so that actually... Yeah, we combine, kind of combine two of our aspects in one when talking about Fascinera. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Moon Knight's connection with Stained Glass Scarlet... Uh, it's starting to kind of it's starting to bubble a bit more, yeah. I think, as well. And there's even a mention here of a ESP connection. Um, so I don't know what Monch is thinking about how he connects these two really disparate characters together, but there seems to be some sort of bond between them. I mean, even it goes back to Moon Knight at the beginning of the comic, going, "Oh, oh I wonder why I am in the South." <laughs> you know, is there something else that has kind of driven him there? Uh, and it could well be Stained Glass Scarlet. So there, there's this there's this connection that they have, and it's explored even more in um, uh, Mateus's De Mateus's uh, Scarlet Redemption in Mark Spector Moon Knight. Um, which, incidentally, Connor, I found out um, De Mateus is also the writer of uh, Craven's Last Hunt by yes. Spider Man. So. Uh, a very dark tale, and um, and one day we'll we'll have to review Scarlet Redemption. Uh, it's kind of got that vibe as well. It's very um, not surreal, but it's very, um, yeah, very dark and and cerebral, I, I guess. Very similar to Craven's Last Hunt in that mm. in that sense. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, I thought that was uh, that was worth mentioning as an aspect. Moon Knight's connection with Stained Glass Scarlet. Um, so she's definitely a very interesting, interesting a, figure. Uh, do we ever in um, uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight a Resurrection um, War? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Resurrection War. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any mention again of that ESP connection? Uh, in in uh, yeah, in, in yeah, your fate. Yeah, in, <laughs> in Mark Spector, there definitely is. Okay, cool. um, there's some like, sort of psychic bond that they have, but you know, for the life of me, I can't see where the connection lies. You know, generally there's a, you know, like say with Moon Knight and werewolves. Of course, you got the moon <laughs> and werewolves. There's a bit of a connection there, but with Stained Glass Scarlet. Um, I don't know. He just seems to have... And in the wiki, we did that, that spotlight, uh, character spotlight of Stained Glass Scarlet. She has this psychic bond, but it's never really explained. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, actually, just uh, before we end there, just a couple of notes here. I've got, I've got to make mention, a little shout-out to Detective Flint. Oh, I love uh, him. Yeah, I love him. And there's a bit of comic relief from him, actually, here, with uh, him trying to open up the bag of crisps. Uh, so his diet hasn't changed, hasn't gotten any better. He was uh, smoking and drinking coffee, and now he's he's uh, eating oily bags of crisps. Yeah. So <laughs> and smoking <laughs> and smoking still. So uh, yeah, so he's in it again. It kind of lends a bit bit more of a noir kind of detective feel. Um, yeah, the moon copter <laughs> again shows itself. <laughs> so terrible. And it's a really terrible design. Still, I thought ten issues on we would have gotten something better. And I'm sorry to say, Connor, it does look a little phallic. Yeah, maybe maybe the Mooncopter is the real one that went bad after 10 issues. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It takes 10 issues to actually turn a, a copter bad. So uh, <laughs> that was a really, really terrible. So I'm, I'm just waiting for the day where whoever it is redesigns it. So, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, the opening page was brilliant, as we've discussed. The little pop culture reference of Zorro. So we have uh, Stained Glass Scarlet um, signing off her murders with a with an S on the wall, first with lipstick, and uh, towards the end when she um, kills Sindone, she does it with her own blood. So um, she's got a little calling card. Yeah, um, and um, uh, Moon Knight's cheekiness of... Uh... Oh yeah, and one other thing, someone doesn't know how to spell Zorro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His other one's pretty cheeky, and uh, so he does have. He's a bit of a cheek machine. He um he's not totally all brooding, which is pretty cool. Uh, another bit of notes there. I haven't actually got written down, but I've got the page open. Uh, uh, Moon Knight's um, glider cape is uh, used. To, I, I I forget from time to time. I forget that he can actually like fly in the sense that he uses his cape to to um, ride on the winds, um, but he, he does in this issue, and uh, again, Shinkovich depicts it as a crescent moon as well, which is, uh, you know, your typical moon night. Um, what else have we got? we got a couple of uh, Marlene's brother's death, which, um, which you know, popped up in between these issues, uh, and one of the little goofs I thought, Connor, as well, was, um, I reread the issue as well, there's no mention, Moon Knight does not get information pertaining to where this criminal syndicate meeting is going to be held in Northbrook, New Jersey. It's hey, it never, just shows up, yeah. It's never mentioned. He has a conversation with Thane Glass Scarlet in the cemetery. She knows where it is. He doesn't. And, and and he lets her go. And then he goes back to see Marlene, and then he gets Frenchie, lets go in the phallic mooncopter, and they know where to go to Northbrook, New Jersey. How does that happen? Is it ESP? Could well be. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a mistaken munch, or it could be a, a subtle ESP reference. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where is uh Sindone? Where does he live? <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So it was a, it was another it was a great pick, Connor. It was really good. Um, really enjoyed it. And uh, let's get into Crescent Dart ratings. What what would you give it? I think a definite. If I gave stained glass, what did I give stained glass guy? Was that a four out of four out of five? Oh, it's hard to remember. I think yeah, I yeah. think you gave it a four. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'd probably give this a definite four and a half. I think I'd, yeah. it's just an incredibly strong issue. I love art, obviously, the poeticness. I think it's just a perfect street-level grounded issue. No, no yeah. massive scale, no supernatural. Just these characters and their moral conundrums and their problems. Uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a really good. I really enjoyed it. And again, uh, I have to thank you for for this uh, recommendation. Uh, I will give it four point one three 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 reoccurring, <laughs> <laughs> only because I'm giving myself very little room to to rate. <laughs> so I've got to get into decimals. Um, yeah, I reckon it was a really good issue, ramped up with Sinkovich's art. I think it, it, as you say, he he just took it up another level, um, and I always enjoy Doug Munch's writing. Uh, Stained Glass Scarlet, always an interesting figure. Um, look, there were a couple of, couple of holes there with, uh, with how Moon Knight knew where to go in New Jersey. Uh, but, but on a whole, um, how he defines his characters, how he kind of, in a short time, describes Matt, um, Candyman Sindone and where he's coming from. And, uh, there's a, even a recap, a short recap of Stained Glass Scarlet's history. Uh, it was all very interesting. And, and at the end as well, uh, we forgot to make a little quick mention of the end of, um, how Moon Knight almost, almost purposely or subconsciously kind of yeah. lets her go. Um, so again, um, tying back to their bond, which they seem to have, or some, he has some sort of sympathy towards her. Maybe he's a bit, uh, maybe he's a bit smitten by her. I mean, she's a fine looking lady. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, four point one three 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 three. <laughs> so uh yeah, that was great. So two great issues again, Loonies. Um I hope you enjoyed reading them as well, if you could get a hold of them. Uh like like we mentioned, uh, Essential Collection will have issue twenty four. Uh if you don't have the single issue itself. Uh otherwise, um we're gonna get onto it, aren't we, kind of uh Marvel Unlimited. Try to get it on there. Yeah. We'll uh we'll be Asking the powers that be. The powers that be. So, yeah, no, very good. Um, okay, so what we'll have next phase, <laughs> which I'm starting to call next week, uh, we'll be looking at Lemire's uh, issue 10. So, new arc called Death and Rebirth. It's part one of five. And we'll be doing, uh, returning to our format, um, as we do with each beginning of, of an arc, we'll be going panel by panel, so I cannot wait to get into that one. Um, and also, we'll be hopefully joined again by our third co-host, Rebecca, so uh, looking forward to chatting with her as well about uh, this great issue. Cannot wait. And uh, we've got this. We've got this plan coming up. Who knows when mm-hmm. we'll sprinkle it into our episodes? But we're going to be doing a big character spotlight on Bushman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's one of the big, uh, one of the main villains and rivals of Moon Knight. And look, if uh, Max Bemis is talking about the big bad, about having the truth or the sun god there, uh, we've got to at least cover Bushman. Um, you know, before before we get cracking with the Beamers run. So, yep, looking forward to getting into that as well. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have a um, another little little segment here, uh, fondly called a spectacle, uh, which is a, a little shout out that we'll do. Um, so uh, I, I got onto our Facebook group and. Uh, and spoke to Connor as well, and um, I just want to give a shout out to Vengeance Unbound. It's a Ghost Rider podcast, so uh, there's a tentative connection there with Moon Knight. Uh, you know, if you you look at like Midnight Suns and Dark Street Level heroes. Um, but anyway, Vengeance Unbound is a very cool Ghost Rider podcast. It's hosted by Chris Munn and Brian Biggie, um, and actually uh, Chris, I believe, he's had a blog um, on. Ghost Rider for over 10 years now, um, and they've just cracked into doing podcasts. So I think they're on uh, episode 14, so relatively new and easy to catch up on. I'm on episode 3, looking forward to it, and they're, they're really uh, entertaining to listen to. Um, so, yeah, check it out, guys. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well, uh, at the details, but uh, if you just look up Vengeance Unbound, a Ghost Rider podcast, you should be able to to find them. Um any other shout-outs there for you, Connor? Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to dive into Vengeance Unbound. I know nothing about uh, Ghost Rider. Mm. I only read the Robbie Reyes run. Keep meaning to read the uh, the uh, Jason Aaron run. And I guess mm-hmm. I better go back and review some other great ones. But also, um, one of our uh, great loony listeners and in the group, uh, Joel Lewis, actually did a review of the uh, Lemire issue we covered on nerdsthatgeek.com he uh, re- a massive almost essay-like review of Moon Knight issue Fantastic. 9 Incarnations part 4 we'll link that in the show notes find Fantastic. it there it's a great read yeah Joel's uh, Joel's what I call one of the conchu level loonies <laughs> he's a uh, he is a really dedicated fan um and, uh, yeah, if you're on the group or not, um, try to be sure to try and hit him up with a bit of a chat. He's a very nice fellow, and uh, he loves his Moon Knight. Uh, one of the, the last spectacles I'd like to shout out is to one of our newest members. I think just today uh, he's joined. Uh, his name's Mike, uh, and he's on the Facebook group. And he posted up his collection, which is... Uh, massively impressive collection, I must say. <laughs> um, it, he's got literally wall-to-wall of slab versions of um, of, of uh, important issues from Moon Knight, ranging from Volume 1 to Volume 8. Um, I think I saw there was the Lemire Issue 1, and it actually had a little sketch um, done by Greg Smallwood on there as well, and that's been slabbed and just looks brilliant. He's also got um, some figurines and some other paraphernalia there, but uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Mike, and I'd also want to just make uh, give this opportunity to say, Loonies, um, if you... If you want, um, yeah, please post up your collections, and we'll be sure to shout you out them. on the show. Yeah, we love we love seeing it. I just uh, it just amazes me the level of um, of fandom uh, for Moon Knight fans out there, and we've got a we've got a swathe of really really cool Looney fans um, in the group. So, yep, I put it to you, Loonies. If you can post up your collections, uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out, and uh, we can share the love. Heck yeah, mm-hmm. loving loving the group. Uh, if you want to find that group, mm-hmm. it is um, Into the Night, a Moon Knight fan base on um, on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Into the Night. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to find our blog, of course, where you've most likely found this podcast, we are <laughs> Into the Night Podcast at WordPress.com. You can email mm-hmm. us uh, questions, thoughts, reviews, anything. Uh. 
Yeah. Uh, we love hearing from you. I'm going to read it out on the show if you want. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Moon Knight Podcast at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Into the Night, a Moon Knight Podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash ITK Moon Knight. We have mm-hmm. Instagram as well, ITK uh, Moon Knight. Uh, find us at our Twitter handle, at ITK Moon Knight. <laughs> our yeah. Tumblr, Night Shifts. Yep, we, yeah, we've uh, we've gone a bit crazy with it all, Looney, so I'm sure you can find us. Uh, look, you know, the main thing, if you, as Connor said, if you, you hit up uh, intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com, there are links to all the other social medias that we have there, and uh, we're available on all the good podcast catches as well, so, uh, yeah, please uh, give us a listen, tell your friends, um, and give us a rating if you, if you want. Uh, we'd really love it, uh, but, uh, yeah, by no means... An obligation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you once again, uh, Loonies, for listening to us. This has been awesome. Episode 9, we're one short of hitting the double digits, Connor. Well, officially hitting the double digits. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a great, uh, great, great time reviewing these comics. Absolutely fantastic. I hope you'll catch us here next week with our panel-by-panel review of Moon Knight issue, issue 10. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and that's actually, that's the only one, isn't it? Yeah, um, so, big panel by panel. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, and, and fingers crossed we'll get Rebecca. So, um, we'll try to, we'll speak to her people and she'll speak to our people. <laughs> 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 Hopefully we'll get that sorted. Uh, but in the meantime, loonies, uh, farewell and may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch Bye. you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.